I am Michael Foster, and you're listening to It's Good to Be a Man, the podcast where we are extending God's house and father rule by helping men to establish their own houses in strength, workmanship, and wisdom. This episode is just a little clip of the session that I did at the Stronghold Conference about a week ago today. Uh, My whole session was about 50 minutes. It was adapted from chapter one and chapter five of the book, Not and I. Uh, are going to be publishing through Canon Press later this year. If you want to hear the whole thing, you can actually go to strongholdconference.com and you can purchase all the sessions there. I, I don't. I think it's like 15 bucks to get all of them. There was uh, Ben Merkel, uh, Vody Bauckham, uh, Rich Luss, George Grant, and uh, Rich Luss' session was fantastic. And uh, So go there and don't forget to use this code, I-G-T-B-A-M. We don't get any kickbacks, but it'll get you 25% off the whole conference. So it's it's good to be a man. So I-G-T-B-A-M. And I hope you enjoy uh, the little bit that we're putting up here for you. It was natural for Egypt to be ruled by a patriarch, Pharaoh. But the king who arose in the days of Moses was an evil patriarch. He saw the sons of Israel as a threat to his reign, and he determined to do something about it. At first, he tried hard labor, but when this didn't crush the spirits and prevent them from being fruitful and multiplying, he commanded the Hebrew midwives. He said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. Pharaoh knew that young men, the young men of Israel, unlike the women, were a threat to his reign. Men are designed for conquest and rule, and their combined strength could be sufficient to break the chain of even a mighty dynasty like Egypt. So, in a move that comes natural to evil patriarchs following their father, the devil, He tried to use the uh, Hebrew women against the Hebrew men. But in one of the great ironic reversals of redemptive history, Shifra and Puah, the godly midwives, did not comply with the schemes of a corrupt ruler as Eve had done. Rather than being deceived into unwittingly abetting him, they resisted Pharaoh by deceiving him. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and let the boys live? The midwives said to the Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can get to them. That's kind of a, it does kind of sound like the CRC, doesn't it? Uh, They're vigorous, they give birth. There's babies popping out everywhere. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty because the midwives feared God. Now, what's his gift for them? He established households for them. Households are a blessing from God, a reward. Thus, Pharaoh was forced to find another way to murder the future patriarchs of Israel and commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. Young men are always the target of an evil patriarchy. Because God has made them to rule, they are a threat to existing rule. 
Therefore, evil patriarchs always try to do one of three things. First, harness them. Why waste all that masculine energy? After all, if it can be turned uh, towards the end of an evil patriarch, why not use it? This is the first impulse of any patriarch, since he is the leader of men, regardless of how wicked he is. Most nations have done this to some degree through patriotism, military service. The 20th century is replete with examples from Hitler youth to Islamic radicalization of disaffected men in America. And Pharaoh tried to harness the sons of Israel in a slightly different way and thus combine the first strategy with the second. The second is pacify them. If the energy of men cannot be harnessed by evil patriarch, it often can be sapped by channeling it into pursuits that leave them impotent to rebel. This could be by putting them to work as slaves, but often by offering them some uh, like bread and circus, Soma, right? Brave New World. Fruitless pursuits for them to escape into rather than doing the hard work of fighting. In our day, Satan has perfected this technique with pornography and to a lesser extent with video games. Men who are hooked up like junkies to the dopamine drip of virtual fornication and fake dominion are worthless for the task of being fruitful in real life and imposing genuine order on their worlds. I was at a men's event called the 21 Convention. It's non-Christian. Uh, a friend got me in there, and I was like, can I say whatever I want? And I said, yeah, so I did. Um, but uh, we had a Q&A, and a guy, very sincerely, he was brave, he came up to the mic, and I was talking about how terrible pornography was, and it was a sin, and to reject it, and just like ripping into pornography. And he's like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, what am I supposed to do if I can't get a woman? And, um, and he was, I just asked him, I said, look, after you get done masturbating to pornography, do you feel like a man? <laughs> he said nothing, sat down. Right? They're trying to enslave you, young men. I know there are some young boys here who have stumbled onto things, even in homeschool families, maybe especially in homeschool families. But urge you, young men, if that's you, talk to your mom and dad. Your dad's for you. He's not against you. Your dad understands more than you think. Marx, following his father, the original liar, famously said that religion is the opiate of the masses. Not so. Entertainment is the opiate of the masses. And the more debauched, the better. Religion, true religion, is the one thing that sets the masses free and thus makes them impossibly dangerous to an evil patriarchy. When that happens, there's only one option left. And while they're trying to close our churches down, and close our live streams down. You might think about this. Destroy them. Young men who cannot be harnessed or pacified must be crushed. They are too dangerous to the evil patriarchy to be allowed to live. This is why the most godless regimes are always the most murderous. Communism is well known for its ruthless hunt for dissidents in its own ranks, typically men. Pharaoh determined to kill every baby boy among the Hebrews, even though it would decimate his labor force. The serpent eats its own tail. That is why the serpent eventually loses. J.C. Ryle, one of my favorite uh, writers, um, in uh, Thoughts for Young Men, he warns, Young men, this enemy is working hard for your destruction. 
however little you may think it. You are the prize for which he is specially contending. He foresees you must either be the blessing or the curse of your day. And he is trying hard to affect the place in your hearts early in your life in order that you may help advance his kingdom each day. Take that to heart. Habits are good and bad, right? And Ryle in Thoughts for a Young Man has that wonderful analogy of a sapling, which is very easy to bend. And then when that sapling, should it grow to a tree, you can't bend it at all when it's full grown. So right now, if you're a younger man, really, no matter where you're at, things are only going to get harder to form good habits. But if you start working on habits now, godly habits, you'll grow into them, and it's hard to move, right? Like there's this saying online in the manosphere, uh, to be hard to kill, amen, but apply that spiritually. Build habits because there is someone that means to destroy you, and you shouldn't fear the one that can only destroy the body. Throughout all of history, we see manifestations of this ancient satanic war on men. Men are prized because patriarchy is inevitable. Therefore, whoever controls men controls the future. So who controls men in our churches today? It's not the overtly evil patriarchs, or at least not for the most part. Christian men have more sense than that. But it's not the pastors either. Once again, you know, speaking in generalities here. It's because they're weak and ineffectual patriarchs. They have for generations been known as the third sex because they're effeminate, womanly ministries. My way I judge a pastor is I ask myself, would I follow that man into battle? Now, don't think of Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> think of, you know, Dick Winters or Save It Private Ryan, right? This is a competent man, a calm man. It's not about muscles and brawn and like John Wick sort of stuff, you know, but it's a, a, a man that is masculine. <laughs> and that's not many of our pastors. Some of them claim to be, again, gay. <laughs> and those that don't claim to be gay kind of seem gay. Um, <laughs> So modern Christian men are faced with an impossible dilemma. Lay aside their masculinity or lay aside Christianity. On paper, this is a false dilemma. The triune God is the creator of masculinity. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, uh, is a man. (laughs) Paul, commissioned by Christ, commands Christians to be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. And although many come into the church with their natural masculinity weighed down by effemacy, grace restores nature. 